0: On October 29th, 1941, British Prime Minister Winston Churchill, another British hero, uttered his now famous words, never, 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 never give up. Early during World War II, while the fate of the world and the survival of England we're in great peril. Did you know that Churchill delivered his iconic challenge that day, October 29th, 1941, to a, to a room full of schoolchildren? After the German Blitz, when London was reduced to rubble by wave after wave after wave of German bombers, Winston Churchill went to his old boarding school, Harrow School, to speak to the students in a special assembly. This was uh, still a month before Pearl Harbor. The United States had cautiously stayed on the sidelines up until this point, and, and Britain was on the verge of collapse and the world was on the brink of an expansive world war. Like a drowning swimmer, the British were caught in the undertow of great despair. And Winston Churchill went to this school because he knew in that that moment, that that, that time in history that That there was so much at stake. And so Winston Churchill, in his closing remarks at Harrow School, lowered his bulldog gaze and declared, surely from this period of 10 months, this is the lesson. Never give in. Never give in. Never, 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 in nothing, great or small, large or petty, never give in except to convictions of honor and good sense, never yield to force, never yield to the apparently overwhelming might of the enemy. Winston Churchill's cold-blooded resolve and determination, his grit and his guts gave to this beleaguered country a place to stand, gave to his beleaguered country a place to take courage to stand for what was right, to stand for what was good as the war continued to drag on. Think about it. What would have happened if he would not have uttered those words given that iconic challenge? What would have happened? Today we start a four-week series, Spiritual Grit. Jesus, not our prime minister, but our prime master, challenges us to have great Uh, resolve and determination to have guts and have grit in order to contend for, not for the united kingdom, but for an eternal kingdom. To, To contend for, to fight for our faith and what is right, true, and good. And if we don't, who knows what might happen in our lives, our families, our church, our community, and our world. Got grit? This series uh, will be focusing on the New Testament book of Jude, the New Testament book of Jude. The idea of spiritual grit comes from the third verse of Jude. Here it is. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. Here's another translation, New Living Translation. I like to look at different translations. Puts a little different facet or a little different perspective on on a verse of Scripture. New Living Translation says, Dear friends, I had been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share, but now I find that I must write about something else, urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to his holy people. And then another translation, New Century Version. Dear friends, I wanted very much to write to you about the salvation we all share, but I felt the need to write to you about something else. I want to encourage you to fight hard for the faith that was given the holy people of God once and for all time. What is Jude writing? Jude is writing, I, I, I wanted to write to you about The salvation that we share. I I wanted to write to you about the glory of God's grace and our experience of God's grace and and the forgiveness and mercy that we have in Christ. I really wanted to tell you about that and write to you and remind you about that. And that would have been good, but I felt myself compelled. I felt myself being urged to write something different. I felt myself compelled to write something more urgent for you now. And so I write to urge you to contend for the faith. That's what God has put upon my heart to write to you. That's what Jude is saying. And so the theme of Jude is contend for the faith. The theme of the book of Jude is contend for the faith. As much as Winston Churchill was contending for the future of England, Jesus calls us to contend for the faith that was once for all time entrusted to God's holy people 2,000 years ago and still entrusted to God's holy people today. Contend for the faith. What does it mean to contend? To contend. It means to grapple. To engage in competition. It means to persist. To persevere, to, to get your grit on, to get your grit on, to, to grapple, engage in competition, persist, persevere, get your grip on, get grit on. Now, grit is talked about a lot today. It's kind of, a, it's kind of a, a big word in the sports world, especially. I hear a lot about it, read a lot about it. This last week, there's a couple different times, even yesterday in football game, uh, we, we heard about it mostly about that the Badgers needed a little bit more grit. But uh, that's another story. But you hear a lot about grit in the sports world. And uh, uh, Wendy and I uh, enjoy going to the Wisconsin women's volleyball games. And um, they won the national championship last year, first ever national championship. And it's awesome. They have an awesome, awesome team. A lot of seniors moved out, a lot of of new women in as players. And the associate head coach, Brittany Dilden, Came up with a um, an award that she calls the uh, Grit Gal Award, the Grit Gal Belt, and and she has this like um, belt like a like boxers would have like a boxing belt for you or a wrestling match if you you know pro wrestling especially pro wrestling they got a big old belt you know and or or for boxing big old belt she got a big old belt called the Grit Gal belt given to the, the girl each week that shows the, the most grittiness on the team. Whoever shows the most grittiness on the team gets the grit gal belt for the week. Isn't that cool? If you want to see some grit, go downtown Madison um, later tonight and watch the finish of the Iron Man Wisconsin. Huh? <laughs> We're talking some grit. For those that finish 2.4-mile swim, 112-mile bike ride, 26.2-mile marathon run. That takes some grit and some guts and a little craziness, (laughs) right? A little craziness. But you can find some grit if you look around. The the Greek word for contend gives us our English word to agonize. It means to agonize to grapple, struggle, agonize. I like that word. It refers to an athlete struggling for victory in a wrestling match. At our worship planning meeting a couple weeks ago, we were all gathered together up in the chapel and we were talking about this series that was upcoming and uh, talking about grit and what does it mean to have grit and spiritual grit and the book of Jude. And uh, Tom's, uh, our, our contemporary worship director's son, uh, Josh had a great definition of grit. He said grit, and Josh was the guy on the drums back there. Hey, good job, man. You were hopping today. Way, way to go. <laughs> so that was awesome. So Josh said grit is toughness in the third period of a wrestling match. And grit is toughness in the fourth quarter of a football game. Now, Josh graduated last year, senior in high school, graduated. He knows something about grit and wrestling and football because he wrestled in high school, senior year, 160-pound class, and played football in high school. So this guy knows something about grit and determination. Jude writes, contend, grapple, struggle, persist, persevere, never, never, never. Give in, give up, get your grit on. And Josh shared with me his shirt for the Madison Memorial Boys Wrestling Team. Shirt for the season, got grit. That's awesome. And Then what they wrote on the back of the T-shirt at the end of the season, City Champs, oh yeah. City champs right there, buddy. Positive results of your and your team's grit. Way to go, Josh. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, So, got grit? Spiritual grit? Get grit. Let's talk a little bit about the book of Jude, a little bit more about the book of Jude, a little background information. It was written by Jude. Uh, Jude was a brother to James. James was a leader in the early church. And this is what Jude says in verse 1. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who have been called, who are loved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ, mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. Jude. Jude was also the brother of Jesus, brother of James and the brother of Jesus. Most uh, biblical scholars believe that this Jude was the brother of James and also the brother of Jesus. Now, you could say half-brother because they had the same mother, Mary, but different fathers, as God the Father, through the Holy Spirit, gave uh, Jesus to to Mary. And then you can find in the Gospels that Jesus had four other brothers, Judas or Jude, uh, James, Joseph, and Simon. So Mary and Joseph had the Jays go in there and then they had Simon. <laughs> uh, so how many chapters in Jude? How many chapters in Jude? One, right, one chapter. And here, a little bit more Bible trivia. How many books in the Bible have only one chapter? Five. Five books in the Bible have one chapter. You know the other four? One's in the Old Testament. Obadiah, the other three are in the New Testament, 2 John, 3 John, and Philemon, okay? So there's a little bit biblical trivia that you, you can use on your friends today, okay? They'll, they'll know, you're, they'll be impressed. That's five books with, with uh, only one chapter, and Jude is one of them. So we mentioned the theme of Jude is to contend for the faith, to develop some spiritual grit. Why? Why? Verse 3. One more time. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. For, this is the purpose of Jude and the why behind why they were to contend for the faith. For certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you they are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our god into a license for immorality and deny jesus christ our only sovereign and lord that's the purpose that's the why to contend for the faith to combat false teachings and spiritual counterfeits and and to stand on the side of correct doctrine and right conduct, to combat false teachings and spiritual counterfeits and to stand on the side of correct doctrine and right conduct. That's the purpose. So in other words, let me remind you, Jude would would have loved to have write, he, he shares it here, I would love to have write to you about the salvation we share, how glorious that is and what God has done for us and his mercy and grace and forgiveness that we have. Boy, I would love to write to you about that. It's easy to write about that. It's easy to preach about that. But I feel urged, I feel compelled to write to you about something different right now. Something that's on the forefront of your faith and that is I urge you to contend for the faith. Grapple. Fight hard for the faith because there have been spiritual teachers, false teachers in your ranks that have slipped in and are messing you up. They are misleading you by by telling you that you can do as you please and live as you please with, with no consequences and no fear of God's judgment or punishment. Contend for the faith. Fight hard. These false teachers were undermining the faith that had been entrusted to God's people by twisting the Bible's truths to justify their own opinions, behaviors, and lifestyle. They were counterfeits, spiritual counterfeits. So Jude says, be vigilant. Be vigilant. Contend, grapple, struggle, fight hard for the faith. Now, friends, there's really nothing new under the sun. If you look at the history of Christendom, from the first century to today, the 21st century, the church... At different times, in different ways, in different seasons, has been threatened by false teachers, by spiritual counterfeits, by misleading the faithful, teaching that teachings that reject the divinity of Jesus, teachings that reject the miracles of Jesus, the, the resurrection of Jesus, and Jesus as the way to salvation. In the latter part of the first century, moving into the second century, there was a movement within Christianity called Gnosticism. Gnosticism. Gnosticism, from the word gnosis, or knowledge, claimed that salvation could be earned through a special form of secret knowledge gnosticism held that the world they they believed in dualism that that there were that the world was divided into two parts two separate parts there was the physical world which was the created world the substantial world that included the human body all those things that are physical and created that's the physical world and then there was the spiritual world and in their understanding their belief that they promoted of dualism the, the uh, physical world, including the human body, was evil, and the spiritual world was good. So Jesus, because the, the physical body was evil, Jesus was actually not in human form, but only spiritual form. He was not really human, only spiritual, was human was bad, Jesus was only in spiritual form. That undercuts the incarnation. God coming to us in the flesh. God in human form. And so Origen, Tertullian, Justin Martyr, and other early church fathers rejected Gnosticism as heresy. In the 16th century. And the uh, Protestant Reformation. And today... In the 21st century, there are false teachings and false teachers, and and some of it is very overt, kind of like Gnosticism was pretty overt and and pretty clearly seen. But perhaps what is more dangerous, was more dangerous in the 16th century with Martin Luther and the Protestant Reformation, and more dangerous today is the slight and subtle twists and errors that mislead the faithful. And so Martin Luther, you know, the orthodox theology is that theology, that understanding of God and scripture that has been passed down to us for 2,000 years. It's that classical essentials of the faith, the orthodox understanding of the faith, of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the essentials of salvation through grace, and the authority of God's word. That's called orthodox theology. And, and some of the twists and slights, uh, twists and errors of slight and subtle are hard to, hard to see. <laughs> And so Martin Luther said this in the Protestant Reformation. He said, Christendom must have people who are thoroughly familiar with the Scriptures and can contradict all thoughts and interpretations and take the sword from false teachers. That is, those very verses which false teachers use and turn them round upon them so that they fall back defeated. Each Christian should be so armed that he himself is sure of his belief and of the doctrine and is so equipped with the sayings from the word of God that he can stand up against the devil and defend himself when men seek to lead him astray. Friends, there's nothing new under the sun, whether in the first century, the 16th century, or the 21st century. And so we must be learned, we must be familiar with the scriptures, we must be armed and equipped and able to defend ourselves and to contend for the faith. Why? Why contend? Why agonize? Right, Josh? In the third period, man, why? Why continue to grapple? Why continue to struggle? Throw in the towel. Fourth quarter, same thing. Why should we contend? Why grapple and contend? What's what's the what's the big deal? Because we've experienced God. We've experienced God and his amazing grace and the salvation we have in Jesus Christ. We have the joy and the privilege of knowing that life, that peace, that hope, that joy. We, we know the good news. We've experienced the good news and the truth of the gospel and, and God's word. Jesus himself said, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. And the truth sets us free. We've experienced that freedom and the truth of God known in Jesus and in his word. And we want everybody else to experience that. We want others to know that. That's why it is worth contending for. That's why it's worth grappling over, struggling over, agonizing over, that faith that's been entrusted to us is worth contending for. Ten days ago, former Soviet president Mikhail Gorbachev died. Mikhail Gorbachev uh, was hailed, has been hailed as 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 a a globally as a great leader, as one who helped bring an end to the Cold War. But Mikhail Gorbachev was not hailed as a hero with everybody in his own country. Because during Gorbachev's reign and his rule, the, the communist Soviet Union collapsed. So he was not hailed as a hero. Gorbachev was not given an official state funeral. And Vladimir Putin did not go to his funeral. In a a slight nod to Gorbachev, the day before his funeral, Putin brought a bouquet of flowers and put it on his coffin. Thinking about Soviet leaders, thinking about world leaders over this last week or, or, or so, it reminded me of a story of, uh, that George H.W. Bush told at a national prayer breakfast. When, vice, when he was vice president, Bush, serving under Ronald Reagan in the 1980s, he represented uh, America at the funeral of Soviet leader Leonid Brezhnev. And so he went. The funeral was very precise, very stoic. And because this was before the fall of the communist Soviet Union, it was very communist in nature. No tears were displayed, no emotion was shown, with one exception. Vice President Bush tells of Brezhnev's widow going up to his coffin the last person at his, at, at his coffin before they closed the lid of the coffin, and she stands there for several seconds, and then reaches down and performs the sign of the cross on her husband's chest. The sign. Of the cross in this hour of his death just before his coffin was closed with the entire communist Soviet Union watching she turned not to Lenin or Stalin or Karl Marx or Khrushchev but she turned to a Nazarene Carpenter who lived 2,000 years ago, Jesus, who said, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Forgiveness, and grace, and mercy are found in me. Friends, we have a faith. Worth contending for. A faith worth fighting for. And a savior worth embracing. Never, never, never give up. As Winston Churchill know. As as he knew, please know. There's a lot at stake. got grit let's pray dear God we we come to you today asking that you would help us empower us give us your Holy Spirit that we can put the grit on and grow in our spiritual grit help us O Lord to grapple to agonize to struggle, to persist, and to persevere for you and for the faith that was delivered 2,000 years ago that we might not just hold on, but that we might press on. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, amen.